Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 5, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Paul has accused all mankind of being guilty before God, the heathen, the hypocrite, and the Hebrew. Right about Romans chapter 3, verse 23, go ahead and peek at it, if you will. Romans 3, 23, it reads, For all have sinned, and what? Fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So, when a man, the Bible teaches, because we're sinners, the Bible teaches when when man or woman puts their faith in Christ, is that that moment that they are justified and they're declared not guilty. And then God gives them the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We are justified. Are you listening? And with justification comes benefits. We talked about that. Chapter 5, right about verse 1, we have the benefit of having peace with God. And we also, we've talked about, we have the benefit of having access to God. And then we have grace. We've talked about all of these. We have the grace of God in which we stand. And we have character. That's a benefit of being justified. And there's perseverance. We persevere because we are justified. And we have hope. Fast forward to verse 4 and 5. And hope will not disappoint. Because the love of God, the Bible says, is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And then we also talked about how that love is shed and how that love is shown. And the Bible says right about verse 8 of chapter 5, where God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were in the Hebrew, pardon me, the Greek language, in that while we were still in the process of sinning, Christ died for us. The love of God was shown to men in that Christ died for us. That's where we left off, right about verse 11. This morning, we pick up, this afternoon, we picked up, pick up in verse 12. Now, verse 12 through 21, give me your attention. Um, if you've read ahead already, you probably already feel very confused. Because verse 12 through 21, at first reading, can seem a bit difficult People have emailed me and told me this morning, man, I read through verse 12 through 21 and I don't get it, Pastor Rodney. I just don't get it. It can seem a little bit difficult, but what I want to do today and what I always try to do to tell you the truth is to make it simple for you so that we can grow and we can learn. I told you my pastor told me some years ago when I was getting into the teaching ministry, my pastor told me, put the cookies on the shelf where the kids can get them. I like that. That means bring it down, bring it down. And that's what I hope to do this morning. Bring it down so we can get it. Now, listen, nothing in the Bible. Hear me. 
Nothing in the Bible is beyond your capability of understanding. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. And here's why. Because you have the spirit of God living within you. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit lives in us and he is our teacher. I can't learn you anything. Are you feeling me? I can't learn you. I do the best I can. I get up here and try to share it with you, put the cookies on the shelf where you can get them and do the best I can. But I can't learn you anything. If the Holy Spirit doesn't reveal it to you, you can't get it. But we have the spirit of God in us. There's nothing beyond our comprehension. Now, here in our text, in this section, in verses 12 through 21, are you listening? Paul sets up a series of contrasts, if you're taking notes, contrasts and comparisons. Contrasts and comparisons between Christ and Adam. It's as simple as that. A series of contrasts and comparisons between Christ and Adam. In Adam, are you listening, man is made sinners. In Christ, man is made saints. In Adam, death reigns. In Jesus, deliverance reigns. Somebody say amen. That's a good thing. As you look at Adam, you see that God places the emphasis on the offense. In looking at Jesus, God places the emphasis on Christ's obedience. In Christ, talking about the contrast and comparisons, in Christ, God had dealt with the root of sin And came up with a plan to get us out of Adam's family. I worked on that for two whole weeks. God came up with a plan to get us out of Adam's family to put us in the family of God. What we have here simply is not that difficult. It's just a series of contrasts and comparisons between the first Adam... And the second Adam, the first Adam, Adam, and the second Adam, Jesus. Now, in the interest of time, we're going to read it all the way through, and then we'll come back. Don't worry, by the time we finish reading it, you'll be very confused. But by the time we come back, we'll have some comments, we'll explain it all, it'll all be fine. Romans chapter 5, saints, we pick up in verse 12. If you're looking at it, say amen. amen. Therefore... Now, when you see the word, therefore, what, saints? You want to find out what it's? That's right, and I'll tell you later. Therefore, just as through one man's sin, Adam entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because what, saints? All sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed, reckoned, or accounted where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned, underline that, from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who was a type of Christ, who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's sin or offense many died, much more, now here we have the third much more in this chapter, Much more, the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. 
And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But listen, the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in what, saints? Justification. For if by the one man's offense, death, now here, here's the whole argument that Paul masterfully puts before us. If by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, here's your fourth much more, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, who's that? Jesus Christ. Therefore, as to one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man, listen, it makes sense. So by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, in verse 20, you need to remember it, highlight it, don't ever forget this verse. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But would you read it with me? Where sin abounded, grace abounded, that's your fifth much more in this chapter. Much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so... Grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. This section is universally agreed by pretty much all theologians to be the greatest theological section in the entire Bible. It's in these verses that Paul presents to us two individuals who through one act have had an awesome impact on the human race. Adam and Jesus. Adam is a representative of ruined humanity, and Jesus is the representative of redeemed humanity. Now look at it again in verse 12. It starts off with therefore, as we already pointed out, when you see the word therefore, you always want to find out what it's therefore. And the word therefore, of course, it refers back to verses 1 through 11. Now, if you've been with us in verses 1 through 11, you know that Paul has been talking about the sins of men, plural, with an S, the sins of man. That's what he's been talking about, what we do wrong as it relates to God, the sins, plural. Here, beginning in verse 12, saints, listen, Paul switches things up. And he starts talking about the sin of man. Sin singular. Now, in the Bible, when you see the word sin singular, are you listening? Listen, sin singular refers to the root cause of sin, which speaks to our sin nature. The nature of every single man is that we are sinners, not because of what we do wrong. We are sinners because we have a sin nature. If you're with me so far, say amen. amen. We have a sin nature. And so the reason we're sinners is because we have this sin nature that according to the Bible is passed down to us from Adam. 
verse 12, through one man's sin entered the world. Theologians call this federal headship. Federal headship. Through one man's sin, sin entered the world. Now, notice in verse 12, between verse 12 and verse 21, we just read it. You will see the word one 12 times. Look at it in your Bibles. Verse 12, we see one man. You can underline it as we go by. Verse 15, you see by one man, many died. Verse 15 again, of one man comes grace. Verse 16, through one. Verse 16 again, from one. Verse 17, by one. Verse 17 again, through one. Verse 18, through one. Verse 18 again, through one. Verse 19, by one. Get one free. It's in my Bible. It's right there. By one. Verse 19 again, by one. So Paul, listen, is setting up this comparison and contrast of one man's sin and how it affected the world and one man's act of redemption and how it affected the world. Through one man's sin, death entered the world. Now, what we want to understand right here, right out the gate, is that Paul doesn't try to prove that through one man's sin entered the world. That's not Paul's point here. Paul's not trying to prove it. Paul is accepting it as a fact. He's not trying to prove that through one man's sin entered the world. Paul is simply accepting it as true. Through one man's sin, are you listening? Sin entered the world. And the one man's sin is Adam. We find the story in Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3. Now listen to me close. Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3 is not a myth, a legend, a fairy tale, or a story. I'm going to say that again because I think y'all were asleep. <laughs> Genesis chapter 2 and 3 is not a myth, fairy tale, legend, or story. Amen. It is the events of human history. It happened, it was real. And by the way, the effects of what happened and what was real is still being felt today. The fact is, through man's disobedience, sin entered the world. If you're listening, say amen. amen. Sin entered the world. Now, we know the story. Perhaps you do as well. God made man. You know, Genesis 2 and 3. God made man and said, it is not good. And thank God he didn't put a period right there. He went on to say, it is not good, what? That man should be alone. And so the Bible tells us that the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And from Adam's rib, God made who? Women's. God made a woman from Adam's rib. And then God woke Adam up and Adam couldn't believe what he saw. He said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> See, y'all don't read your Bible. That's why you don't even know that's in there. And Adam was excited because God made a woman from a rib. You know, it reminds me of this story. 
Nice segue. You know, sometimes women are overly suspicious of their husbands. And don't shout me down, gents. I, you know, I'll speak for you. And, uh, and, and listen to this story as Adam stayed out very late for a few nights. And, and Eve, she got upset. She says, you're running around with other women. You're cheating on me, she said. Well, Adam said, well, that's ridiculous. You're the only woman on earth. Well, they argued into the night and Adam fell asleep only to be awakened by someone poking him in the chest. And it was Eve. And Adam said, what do you think you're doing? And she said, counting your ribs. <laughs> so God, we know, I'll give you a copy if you like that after service. I'll be happy to provide you with a copy. But God, we know the story is God made Adam and Eve. And then God, what did God do? God put him in the garden. Remember, he put them in the garden and he said, Adam and Eve, you may eat of any tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God said, for in the day that you eat of that tree, you will surely die. He didn't say you're going to die. He said you will surely die. Now, let's get something clear right now. We see in the movies and the cartoons where Eve is always giving Adam the apple to eat. Listen, the Bible doesn't say Eve gave Adam an apple. It says that they ate from the fruit. We do not know what kind of fruit it was. It could have been a banana. <laughs> we don't know. So Eve gives Adam the fruit to eat. And the Bible tells us that it was at that moment that death came into the world because of disobedience. Now we know, listen, that the story is not a fable, myth, legend, or folklore. We know that that cannot be the case because, again, we still see the effects of that sin in that when God said you shall surely die, we know the story was true because there is currently death in the world. Hello? This is a no-brainer. Statistics prove 100 out of every 100 people will die. So we know that the story is true. Now, when the Bible talks about death, the Bible talks about three types of death, if you're taking notes. First of all, there's physical death, which is separation from, of the spirit from the body. Physical death. Your spirit leaves your body. The Bible also talks about spiritual death, which is separation of the spirit from God. And then the Bible talks about eternal death, that's everlasting banishment from the presence of God in hell. Spiritual death. You see, the Bible teaches that we are physically alive when you come in the world. But you are spiritually dead and separated from God. Before becoming a believer, you are spiritually dead. When you give your life to Christ... The Bible says the spirit of God comes to live with inside of you and he quickens your spirit. Ephesians chapter two, verse one. And you hath he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins. But now he hath made us alive in Christ. 
But prior to becoming a Christian, you are born into the world, D-O-A. What's that, Rodney? Dead on arrival. That's the way you come into the world. You weren't spiritually sick and needing help. No, the Bible says you were D-O-A. You weren't ailing and undeveloped. And yet the Bible teaches that you were spiritually unresponsive. You were dead, flatline. No, you weren't on death row. The Bible teaches we were toe-tagged, if you will. You know, I've heard people say that we were all like drowning men, ready to go down with a hand up, reaching for the life preserver. And Jesus throws out the life preserver and you grab it. Some people teach that. No, that's not quite accurate. Listen, what would be more accurate it would be to say that you had already drowned and died and you're just floating and sinking to the bottom. And then Jesus dives in and pulls you out and brings you back to life. You were dead. That's more accurate. You were dead. Listen, dead is dead. There is no such thing as a little dead. <laughs> if you knew that, wave at me. Would you wave it? Oh, okay. You can't be half dead. A little dead. Dead is dead. The Bible says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. So when Eve gave the fruit to Adam, Adam, the Bible says it was at that time that he ate and immediately there began to be a physical and spiritual death. Now, it wasn't just physical because we know that Adam lived to be 900 and something years old. So he didn't just drop dead right there, but there was also a spiritual death that began immediately because the Bible says that it was at that time that his eyes were open. And when Adam's eyes were open, you know the story. He knew that he was naked. And he was hiding from God. And God said, Adam, where are you? I don't make the mistake of thinking that God didn't know where Adam was. God knew where Adam was. Don't you know when God asks you a question, God asks you a question not for his benefit, but for yours. Adam, where are you? Not because God didn't know, but God wanted Adam to know where Adam was. Get the CD. Adam, you're separate from me. Because of your disobedience, Adam, where are you? I suppose God would be asking us the same question this morning, wouldn't he? Where are you? Where is your relationship with God? Are you close to him? Well, I remember when I was a Christian, I was walking with God, I was on fire. Yeah, well, how about today? Are you still on fire? <laughs> Where are you? Adam knew he sinned. His eyes were open and was in disobedience to God. You know, one Bible scholar, and I think this is true, Adam you know, the, they, they were talking about, I was reading that, that it's very possible that Adam's being was very different prior to the fall, that his being was very different than ours. It's very possible that a Adam was kind of a being of light, if you will, being able to go in and out of the presence of God because there was no sin in, in his life at that point. And we know that God can't dwell in the midst of sin. So Adam was in a perfect state at that point and being able to just go in and out of the presence of God. You know, that would not be that far a reach, by the way, because if you fast forward to the New Testament, we know that the Bible tells us that when we are redeemed, we will be clothed in linen, bright, white, and shining. 
It's very, very interesting to consider what it will be like in heaven and what will be like in heaven. Isn't it? No more pain, no more sickness, no more sorrow. How will we even, we can't comprehend living without sickness and sorrow. In heaven, that will be very possible. So when Adam sinned, death was issued to the whole human race. And every generation that has been born since then has been like Adam. Verse 12, all have sinned. Look at verse 13 again, if you will. For until the law, until the law in verse 13, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned. Literally, the idea, guys, is death reigned as king. Death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. Listen, there was no law. Between the period, if you've been here on Wednesday night, you know this. There was no law, give me your attention. There was no law from Adam to Moses. And although there was no law from Adam to Moses, men still died. Sin was still in the world. You see, but just because there wasn't a law given from Adam to Moses, it doesn't mean that people weren't sinning. For example, you might be driving 85 miles an hour on a country road. And not be aware that you're speeding. But just because you don't see a sign with the speed limit posted doesn't mean you're not going too fast. But when you see the speed limit sign, then you become aware that you are speeding. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.